This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. All right. Perfect. Oh. So, uh, I think we have a great cold open now. Colin, get a new computer. Fuck. <laughs> it's not my fault, okay? It's this shitty Korean craftsmanship that's superior to anything I could buy your, your American-made. That's, that's not my fault. <laughs> All I had to do was unplug discrete pieces inside and plug them back in. I don't see the problem. Didn't you, didn't you buy Freebuild to just, like, slap parts into it later? Guess what? It was one of those slapped in parts. That was the problem. Oh. <laughs> Who could have guessed? Who would have fucking thunk? <clears throat> well, this seems like as good a time as any uh, to start the show. Um, hey, hi, hello, and uh, what the fuck is up, listeners at home? Uh, welcome to a special informal episode of Worst in the Industry. The show where this tribunal of soft boy socialists punches continually and ineffectually upwards. Uh, my name is Justin St. Peter, and I am definitely an unorganized criminal, to my right. It's Colin Stanley, and uh, I'm covered in electronics ash and soot, to my right. Uh, my name's Tyler, and uh, if you're listening to this in the car, you're getting a little too close to the guy in front of you. And, and... Uh, our guest, to my right. Uh, hi, uh, I'm, I'm Jess Cooper, and, and I don't do crime. <laughs> well good that's a good thing that's a good unaffiliated. thing unaffiliated yeah i don't Jess think Cooper. i do <laughs> innocent bystander jess cooper yep that's me that's me now uh on today's show we are gonna go ahead and cross the streams just a little bit with our woogity friends over at detroit strange and uh yeah we're gonna be talking about a little known part of detroit history uh the the purple gang one of the many ethnically based organized crime groups in the U.S. formed in the earliest part, earliest parts of the 20th century. Now, before we get into that too deeply, let's spend some time getting to know our co-host for today. Uh, Jess, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you and your co-host Alex do over at Detroit Strange? Sure. Uh, so, like I said, my name's Jess, and Alex and I we actually first met doing like sketch comedy type stuff. He cast me in a show that he had written for, so I liked him immediately. And we just started talking and I wanted to start a podcast and I came up with an idea of doing one about Detroit and kind of maybe the stranger parts of its history as it were. And basically, we both like giving ourselves homework pretty much. And we started <laughs> to do all this research and put some stuff together and found out it was a lot of fun. So we kept doing it. Nice. Yeah, it's funny how research based podcasts form that way. It's just like, huh. I miss homework a little bit. How do I do this for me? Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> do you actively stay up until three in the morning researching things that you think are weird too? All right, let's start a podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's talk about it. Somebody's going to listen. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I always get down like the rabbit hole too, where it goes way longer than I thought. I think there was one time it took me 20 hours or something to put something together because I kept just getting another piece and another piece. And I was like, I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, for our uh, for our Elizabeth Holmes episode, for our Theranos episode, uh, I wrote like twenty four hundred words about it, and I was like, okay, this has got to be uh, it's got to be compressed a little bit for a one hour show. And you know what yeah. I remember for that episode? That she's a vampire, and that's it. That's she's a vampire. Yeah, she is. She is a Dracul, uh, and she is coming for all of our blood. I mean, that's your two by fours into stakes. That's an important takeaway. Yeah. It, is, it is a very important it's it's a public public health warning and uh update update on elizabeth holmes actually she is pregnant she's pregnant oh oh good for her i i'm glad she found another dracula to reproduce with and god help us all yeah Make she's a baby dracula a, she's sitting in a rocking chair crochet in a tiny little cape it's very cute <laughs> it's very cute <laughs> that's adorable <laughs> that's adorable as fuck oh god <laughs> all right <laughs> It may come across uh, as strange to our audience at this juncture to cover an organization that is this out-and-out -out criminal. 
Um, thus far, we've really only covered quote-unquote legitimate businesses. Uh, however, as an opportunity for me to talk about murder and also to collaborate with another show on our fantastic podcast network, I think talking about the Purple Gang is also a great opportunity to point out the shadowy connections between the uh, nearly public criminal underworld of yesterday and uh, industries and businesses that have their own seedy underside uh, today and are everywhere. I mean... Uh, like I was saying before, I, I even, you know, I worked at a, a, for some time, a business in Detroit, a long-standing business in Detroit that has a lot of rumors circulating around its founding as having uh, been heavily involved with Purple Gang money, um, which I cannot either confirm nor deny. Yeah, basically, Purple Gang was like what Rocket Mortgage is now. How <laughs> <laughs> but it's, he's not wrong. Was made me spit my water all over my fucking monitor. <laughs> yeah, that one got me. <laughs> they they own everything. They own Dan it Gilbert all. is the new purple gang. Um, Dan Gilbert isn't cool though. You gotta be cool. You gotta have the drip. You gotta have swag. It, come on. <laughs> now the purple gang is is one of many gangs that formed in the early 20th century. Uh, particularly these these ethnically based gangs. Uh, the purple gang in particular being Jewish. Um, now, all of these major gangs grew to true power, national power, the kind of power that you have to blackmail J. Edgar Hoover with pictures of him cross-dressing to maintain, uh, was through the prohibition of the 1920s. The failed 18th Amendment banning the manufacture, sale, and possession, although notably not the consumption of mm -hmm. alcohol. It's uh, only illegal to make. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Only illegal to make, hold, and uh, distribute. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as long as you're drinking it, they can't do shit. Although some people did have prescriptions. There was prescription yep. beer for a little bit. Yeah, yes. and, yeah, uh, you could and, get a prescription for beer. And communion <laughs> wine sales went up an incredible <laughs> amount. Yeah, it's strange how, how that happens. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I think it was Minute Maid or the, the company that would become Minute Maid. Uh, they, they produced these bricks of uh, grape juice concentrate. And there was instructions on the side that said, absolutely, under no circumstances should you ever take this brick, immerse it in two gallons of water, put it in a carboy, and leave it in your uh, leave it in your cabinet for three months. That would create wine, and that would be illegal. <laughs> Don't do this exact instruction. Do not follow these instructions. Well, it's like when you open the beef jerky bag, and there's that little thing that says not like, for do consumption. Not eat. It's yeah, oh, do oh, not oh eat. oops, all silica packets. <laughs> yeah, That's where all the like... flavor is. That's yeah. where they keep the teriyaki. It's in that little packet. <laughs> now, the, this failed 18th Amendment uh, created an entirely new class of criminal. Um, by and large, the the criminals that had existed before this were. Your, your, your outlaws, your Jesse James types, your, your John Dillingers, and people who were dirty and, and just trying to shoot places up and get money, or worse, just still trying to fight the Civil War. Yeah, P people that could rob the bank. People that could rob a bank and be like, hey, tell them Whitey Whiterson's gang did this. And <laughs> Whitey Whiterson's gang. <laughs> I wonder who did this. <laughs> I wonder who did this. <laughs> Now, uh, these criminals, they were terrifying in their brutality and extraordinarily rich due to their ability to hold wide swaths of territory and maintain incredibly large networks of low-level criminals uh, with the highly violent muscle to back it up, both local and imported. Um, it, is, it is worth noting that at one point the Purple Gang employed Fred Killer Burke, one of the men involved in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, hmm. but want, we will wonder... be coming back to that. I wonder what he did. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses. Like Working the hot dog stand, like, hmm, killing all these people. That sure is hungry work. <laughs> That's why Frank the Killer Burke is here on the case. Working concessions. <laughs> the particular beginnings of this criminal organization are uh, in the east side of Detroit. Uh, on a, a Hastings Street neighborhood known by a couple of different names, uh, like Paradise Valley, uh, or unsurprisingly, Little Jerusalem, because it was a primarily Jewish neighborhood. But this was happening when Henry Ford was still alive, right? Why, yes, it was! <laughs> so this explains some yeah, of his paranoia. 
Uh, a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, just another uh, tangent to get onto that I, I found out yesterday. Uh, Henry Ford also was a very big proponent of prohibition. Uh, in fact, helping to pass uh, statewide prohibition laws in 1917 and 1918, respectively, in Michigan. So I don't know if you guys knew this, but we went through all of prohibition before prohibition started nationally. That's... It was entirely repealed in 1919. Mm-hmm. That's why we were so good at smuggling by the time it hit national levels. We had a couple of years of yeah. practice already. <laughs> yeah. God, Henry yeah, Ford yeah, was, was such a fucking loser. God uh-huh. damn. Yeah, he was. <laughs> sure was. Um, yeah, it was It was specifically because he wanted a sober workforce at the River Rouge plant. I'm so surprised Nazis hate fun. Fucking factory job. Yeah, right. Uh, also, uh, one thing I didn't know about... Uh, Windsor during the prohibition is that uh, the sale and distribution of alcohol was also illegal in Windsor at the time. Really? You could manufacture and transport, but you could not distribute. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Have you guys seen the pictures of the uh, the trucks that they would drive across the Detroit River from Canada, where mm-hmm. they had like tank treads on the back and skis on the front? Lake St. Clair mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, Lake St. Clair, too, yeah. Yep, um, and uh, fun fact, that was primarily a Purple Gang operation. Oh. We Bring it back. There, Bring by, it back. And by we, I mean the Purple Gang, for some reason I associate with them, despite not being Jewish in the slightest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're bringing it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. <clears throat> I like uh, that now, you're, sorry, no, no, go ahead, Colin. You're, you're only, the only thing disqualifying you for being a, a full member of the Purple Gang is you're not Jewish, and not that they don't exist anymore, or that you're not an 85-year-old man. It's We'll talk about the Purple Gang not existing anymore, and all of the 85-year-old Jewish men that congregated the Schwitz when we cover that at the end of the yes. show. <laughs> the Schwitz? It's, I was always yes. waiting for Jess to be like, yeah, we're talking about the Schwitz. Uh, now, the, uh, the boys who would uh, eventually make up the members of the Purple Gang got to know each other as students in the delinquent wing of the Bishop's School. Um, from the relatively light goonery of petty thievery, stealing gums, magazines, you know, fruit from your local uh, shopkeepers, to out-and-out uh, out extortion. Um, they eventually graduated due to their association with some other high-level Detroit-area mobsters into things uh, more in the, the wing of, say, armed robbery and uh, hijacking. Particularly, after the passing of the 18th Amendment, hijacking other criminal organizations' shipments of booze and just stealing them for their own. Uh, A particular calling card of the Purple Gang was to just, like, kill a guy on Lake St. Clair while it was frozen and take his truck and leave his body in the middle of the lake. Nice. Classy. Very classy. (laughs) It's very classy. Yeah, you know, some easy way to get rid of the body when it warms up. Some gangs, you know, do like, oh, you know, we give them like the Sicilian necktie or like, you know, let people know who it was. They're like, nah, just kill them, leave them in the middle of the river. Fuck it. (laughs) Fuck them, use them as ice fishing bait. Now, because of their brazenness and brutality, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Al Capone wouldn't fuck with the Purple Gang. Al Capone, one of the most notorious mobsters in United States history, um, did not encroach on Purple Gang territory at any point. In fact, he opted for a partnership as it was much more lucrative at the time. However, most of the lucrative operations that were being run by both the Chicago mob and by the Detroit Purple Gang did not stay lucrative for very long. Uh, the, The Purple Gang in particular dissolved almost completely in the early 1930s. Uh, now, <clears throat> despite their control of the bootlegging and vice criminal industries in Detroit, and it is near complete control that they had, it was not unchallenged. I mean, they at the height of their power, this group, like I said, had 25,000 blind pigs and speakeasies anywhere in the state of Michigan, and just in the state of Michigan, as well as partnerships and ownerships in other uh, states and cities. They were highly connected in the D.C. vice scene. They were connected to the Miami mob. Uh, it's there is a lot more of these connections that can be drawn to other parts of the country that I, I don't necessarily want to get into on the show right now, but there have been some extensive documents that have been foiled from the FBI about it that I would highly recommend you just smoke a great big fat joint and just sit there scrolling through because that is there is a whole lot of shit in there. 
Oh, the FBI. Always oh, yeah. <laughs> it's domestic Gladio. It happened. It fucking happened. I'm not crazy. I promise <laughs> I'm not crazy, but it happened, and it's still happening. This is a little sample of what the show almost became. <laughs> Me screaming, it happened. I'm not crazy. It's still happening. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Pretty much. Now, there are a couple of notable events that we can chat about today. Um, uh, a couple that I think Jess already knows about, given her, her knowledge about the Purple Gang. I'm excited. Um, and one that I think Colin is going to particularly enjoy uh, being the Cleaners and Dyers War. Hmm. This was a, a, a small-scale uh, inter-gang and intra-union war uh, that was fought using the Purple Gang as, as muscle. Um they didn't necessarily have a whole lot of stake in the beginning, but by the end of it, the Purple Gang was extorting $1,000 a week from the different cleaner and dire unions in the uh, city of Detroit. Which is cleaner. such an odd industry to funnel your energy towards, I feel I, like. I, I feel like it is, but at the same time, uh, you know, you had uh, the Italian mob had their foot in the door in the UAW yeah. already. Yeah. You know, they, you had uh, to deal with the Pinkertons in the UAW. Mm -hmm. you, there was... A lot more um, out, outright combat, frankly, in yeah. some of those other unions in the state at the time. I know. That I uh, think that this was the safe bet. I know one of the big unions that the Italian mob was uh, into in New York City was the Piano Tuner Union. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Also the Teamsters as well. Yeah, the Teamsters. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Teamsters, obviously, the Piano Tuners Union. Sanitation. Um, Sanitation. I mean, all the shitty well, jobs, ironically mm -hmm. enough. All, all well, the shitty jobs that have to be done. Mm -hmm. But sanitation also makes sense for, like, getting rid of things. It made yeah. Oh, yeah. that a little easier, so. Hey, <laughs> listen, hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta clean some, this car out, uh, you had a little accident in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's blood he everywhere. Actually, There's blood just, all he over. He actually shit himself. It's not, it's not a murder. He just needs to clean it up. The, yeah, had a little yeah. bit of a accident. You know, three conies and, you know, something happened. Black coffee. Eh? Hiring themselves out as mercenaries and hitmen to the local labor unions, the Purple Gang bombed, bludgeoned, burned, and burgled to both keep union members in the local unions and uh, in line, as well as, you know, keeping them away from harassing non-union members, as well as harassing non-union members themselves, so that way union members didn't have to get their hands dirty. <laughs> this relationship was very lucrative for a time. However, this very quickly turned around on the unions. As I said, the unions, by the end of it, were being extorted by the Purple Gang for $1,000 a week per, I believe it was per cleaning operation, uh, for their protection. And now the wow. Democratic Party does it. So, <laughs> hey What's the difference? <laughs> Weren't they too, like, uh, they were putting, like, purple dye into the non-union members' uh, things yes, they to were. Uh, persuade them? And and that is that is one of the uh, possible origins of the name mm. of the Purple Gang. Uh, but yes, that is a one of the actions that they took, is non-union shops would have their shit ruined with purple dye. Wow rude rude so yeah. rude. uh now eventually uh nine prominent members and by prominent i mean alleged uh members of the purple gang as well as the vice president excuse me of the jacoby cleaners and dyers incorporated were arrested for conspiracy to extort the cleaners and dyers union not you know the extortion that they were already carrying out conspiracy to commit more Fun fact, those charges never stuck, and all involved were acquitted. Hey, listen, listen, they were just grinding. They were on their grind. They were doing it's doing their thing, you know? Hustle culture, bro. Hustle culture. If you are not grinding, you're not doing it right. Yeah, it's like how we all need to monetize our hobbies now, because, you know. My drug of choice is lack of sleep. <laughs> just... I don't want you to bring up that we're trying to monetize hobbies in the middle of the hobby we're trying to monetize. <laughs> I feel like it's a little, you know, on the nose there, bud. I feel like describing us screaming about corporations and leftist politics as a hobby is a little bit of a reach. Yeah, it's a lifestyle choice. I get it. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, now, after this particular incident, the, the Cleaners and Dyers War, uh, the group was under the 
watchful eye of the DPD. Uh, the DPD didn't really do a whole lot besides uh, harass them. They began to, quote, you know, kind of put the squeeze on what was the Purple Gang's bread and butter, which was racketeering and extortion. Uh, now, in order to combat this, the Purple Gang allied with some old friends from adolescence uh, who were connected to the uh, the mob mobsters that taught them how to be good criminals, the, the, the con college professors. <laughs> uh, and that was the Oakland Sugar House Gang. And now, Jess, I don't know if you know anything about them. I couldn't really find a whole lot because apparently they're often confused for the purple gang yeah everything that i read about them i mean this is like a couple years ago basically called them the other name for the purple gang even though they existed longer but hmm. they all developed into the purple gang eventually so i think that's where maybe the confusion kind of yeah yeah even though they started as a separate organization mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, uh, after a 55-cent tax was levied on every dollar's worth of sugar sold by the Sugar House Gang, as well as wow. more raids by the Detroit police, uh, on top of the timely theft of documents from a particular courthouse, an acquittal was granted to the defendants uh, of the Cleaners and Dyers Union, as previously mentioned. Very quickly, this turned into, guess what? more crime <laughs> more in, in crime 20, <laughs> i know great big shocker right now huge, you mean huge they didn't surprise. they didn't get in trouble and they kept going that's wild that's you know what no no organization has ever not seen consequences for its actions and just continued to do it it's definitely yeah, not those, a part it's not a core concept in the show that we do those, that we're yeah, doing it's that. definitely not those documents happen to go missing and they, you know, weren't criming before. If only, if legally, Jesse Ventura and Mike Lindell could team up. Jesse tra Ventura! Travel through time and get their documents. I have the documents. Find out how many members of the Purple Gang illegally voted in the 2020 election. <laughs> Wayne County had 40. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it if I told you, folks. 18,000 members of the Purple Gang have voted for Hillary Clinton in the 2020 general election. Their votes are falsified because they've been dead for 70 years. Now, uh, between the years of 1927 to 1929, uh, towards the end of Prohibition in America, the Purple Gang began to fight a vicious turf war with both the Italian and Irish mobs in Detroit uh, for control of the liquor trade with Windsor across the Detroit, La uh, Detroit River and particularly Lake St. Clair. Um, now, this turf war culminated in a brutal triple homicide known as the Mila Flores Massacre. Uh, named so for the apartment building in which it took place. <laughs> a, little, a little less dramatic than I'd hoped with a name like Mila Flores. <laughs> like, you think it's going it's to be a little more romance surrounding it? Is. Nope, it's the building where it happened. Is that the one, too, where the uh, Tommy gun was introduced? I believe it was the first like time it had been used in a massacre. Um, I believe that was the calling. Oh, shoot. Manor, okay. Uh, okay. Massacre, but we are going to be talking about that. Okay, next. good. Uh, as, 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 yeah, as Jess let slip there, the purple gang was at the height of technology for their time. Because, <laughs> you know, most of the technology that was coming out of the early 20th century was firearms. Uh, hey, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other show. We were so real nice. good about making them. We were I'm real good imagine, at making them. Back then, you're like a criminal, right? You're crying. And, mm -hmm. You and your buds, you're just hanging out, smoking cigarettes, beating people up. And then you just find a crate full of machine guns. And you're you're like, this shoots more bullets than people I know. Like, it, it there is, are more, it is more bullets noting. in this gun than members of the family I am a part of. <laughs> just find a crate of machine guns. Definitely worth noting that, I mean, for the time, the Thompson submachine gun was the height of technology it, it was this was the murder machine in its most compact and useful package that had ever been produced i mean we're talking about six to seven hundred rounds per minute when 
50 to 60 years ago you were lucky if you could get off five because you had to manually prime and load each round this brought uh, it had a was how big was the drum mag on it was the drum magazine on a thompson i think is uh yeah 75 or 100 a lot of bullets yeah massive massive magazine capacity i mean this is and 45 uh, caliber bullets not no bullshit yeah this this was this is i mean it is hard to understate how powerful of a weapon this was to have just on the streets and available and you know in criminal hands committing these acts how horrific completely unregulated guns just flowing through the streets (laughs) what a nightmare i'm glad we took care of it (laughs) i I know buddy hey colin hey colin i don't know if you know this we didn't oh what (laughs) bro that's scary what if somebody went into a school like that oh boy hopefully if that ever happens we'll fix it it's consider this a pre uh, uh, a preview for our firearms industry series. Yeah, we're coming for you, it's coming up. Fuck off. <laughs> now, uh, shortly after the Mila Flores massacre, that triple homicide of uh, ex members of the gang Egan's Rats, um, not members of the gang. This was an Italian mob affiliated gang that had lost a few members, which were going against the Purple Gang. Uh, they were killed in an apartment owned by a prominent member of the Purple Gang. Uh, the Purple Gang was implicated immediately because of the mounds of evidence against them. But, uh, and excuse me while I take a look real quick from my shocked hat, no one was ever charged for the murder. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> it's, the, it's the strangest fucking thing. And it just, it's how DPD has strange. this tendency to just, you know, mm-hmm. ah, Mm-hmm. let me let Funny me some, some documents went missing some witnesses disappeared uh yeah we lost about four feet from his uh his chest mounted mm-hmm. camera yeah i'm also sure that there was no no money being exchanged whatsoever oh, of course not no not no. from the most lucrative industry in detroit mm-hmm. which at the time had almost eclipsed the automotive industry definitely not uh, never now, could. shortly after this acquittal, the second acquittal, second acquittal, again, uh, shortly after this happened, uh, enemies of the gang were just kind of found in public places, riddled with bullets. Just found. Just just found on street corners and sidewalks. Mm-hmm. You know the way you find loose change. Yeah. Just out <laughs> on the street. What is this, fucking lean on me? Are they just finding dead bodies all over the place? And they're like, hey, you want to go see a dead body? Do you mean stand by me? Whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, one of those is a movie and one of those is a, is a song. One of yeah. those is a porn parody of Stand By Me where they're all of age. <laughs> uh, oh, now, God, notably, God. one of the enemies of the Purple Gang that was killed was a uh, Detroit police officer, one Patrolman Welsh. Uh, now, poor Patrolman Welsh had been shaking down blind pigs in the city of Detroit, not understanding that every single one of them was purple gang property. That's a bad move, buddy. That's a bad move. Mm -hmm. This even did not challenge the purple gang in any particular way. Welsh was found and nothing was made of it. I was going to say, I think that's still, like, unsolved, quote-unquote, to this day, technically speaking, as a case. It's And Mm -hmm. we we very much know that the purple gang is the one that fucking killed him. Mm-hmm. But who cares? He was a pig. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> it's not like his family's you know, gonna hear this and be upset. The event that truly broke the Purple Gang, however, after a couple of years of some intra-gang fighting, some power struggles, uh, it became pretty clear that the only thing that was going to break the Purple Gang was an internal struggle it was was the gang tearing itself apart because the infrastructure that they had built for themselves the officials and police officers that they had bought off the people that they had even killed had all put them in a place where they were or at the very least perceived by detroit the people of detroit the detroit police department uh the city of detroit as far as an administrative body as well as the national government and the fbi the purple gang was essentially seen as untouchable for a little while and then they fucking blew themselves up. Literally or figuratively? Figuratively and literally. 
Okay. There was a singular particular event that we, we briefly mentioned earlier, the Collingswood Manor Massacre, uh, which, again, named for the apartment complex in which it happened. This is the first instance of the Thompson submachine gun, the Chicago typewriter, being used in a gangland murder in the city of Detroit. This ushers in a new era of violence and brutality as these incredibly destructive weapons were unleashed upon the city for the very first time. And Detroit has never really recovered from that, that violence. Yeah, it would be like the equivalent of if a gang today had, like, predator missiles. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, if, if a gang today, instead of having, you know, a couple of guys in a minivan with some MAC-10s, if they, they had, had a tank a, a, a tank or a Hummer with an M2 Browning, it's, it's, we're talking about uh, leagues ahead of anything that anyone else had access to. What are you guys to. talking about? Gangs today have those. They're called police departments. Anyway, moving on, on. (laughs) leaving a couple of poignant seconds of silence for editing. Oh, oh, you're taking it out? Okay. Yeah, Colin, that one's for, listen, if I had to take out you actively encouraging our audience to smoke crack, I'm going to take that (laughs) one out. I didn't encourage it. I said it was cool. Are you saying that people who indulge in drugs aren't cool? I feel like they're cool. Dave I'm saying that doing crack doesn't make you cool I'm and we shouldn't tell her. We're not having this conversation again, Colin. It's not transitive. <laughs> that's, it's, that's exactly what you were saying. You literally said exactly that doing crack makes you cool. That's why I had to take it out of the fucking show. I'm not encouraging people to do it. I'm not saying you should do it. I think saying it's cool is an encouragement, generally speaking. I feel like it's when a you value statement cool. of the action. <laughs> Fuck you, Colin. You heard it from our producer. <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, in the Collingswood Manor uh, massacre, three hired goons from Chicago, um, who have just some absolutely unspeakable nicknames, um, think Lovecraft's cat. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, what do you mean unspeakable? I'm going to make you speak them. But now, no, please don't. Please don't say this. If you want to look it up for yourself, you can, but I'm not going to fucking tell you. Honestly, I mean, a lot of the nicknames from that era are problematic, but those ones are probably the most. um... Some of them are funny. Those ones are just. One guy's just named N-Word Joe. Yeah. I mean, that that We don't. That stint stint doesn't make it okay. I'm not saying it is okay. I'm just saying it makes sense why that was his name. Anyways, he was one of the three Chicago goons who had been hired out as muscle to uh, the Purple Gang. And they decided to operate outside of their allotted territory in Detroit. Um, Don't do that. Yeah, the Purple Gang hierarchy as it was, the the leadership of the Purple Gang, because Purple Gang didn't operate like the uh, Irish or Italian mob does. It's not a family. You don't have a patriarch. You have a loose, uh, a more loose affiliation of gang members and people who are in charge of, of their area. It's, it's shockingly enough to say it is a little more democratic, almost. To a degree. They are still violent gang members, it is worth noting. Um, now, these three goons, uh, to continue to use that word, it's one of my favorite words on the show. Chicaners goonery. Chicane, yeah, uh, unscrupulous goonery. <laughs> chicaneris is fun i like chicaneris we're gonna use that one later <laughs> chicaneris goonery uh, these three goons uh had to be punished by the gang's leadership and they were murdered now it is noting that at this point in the purple gang's existence 10 years down the line purple gang had gotten a little sloppy they'd gotten a little public they'd gotten they 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 had that untouchable or that untouchability that invincibility had kind of gone to their head as it was and that is that's the quickest way to lose it is that overconfidence so it's like when uh, escobar got on the forbes list and people exactly. were like hmm what well, does he we do should, we <laughs> should keep an eye on this guy <laughs> how's he making all this money <laughs> uh and the the three men involved in the collingswood massacre the uh the men who killed these three hired goons from Chicago were found 
I think it was uh, just a couple of hours afterwards playing cards in the apartment that the Mila Flores massacre had occurred in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Classy, again. Classy, yeah. It's and like... if I, I, I'll have to double check the names because I, I forgot to put this in my notes, but I'm fairly certain that all three of the people who committed the Collingswood massacre uh, were at least not necessarily charged, but at the very least named uh, in the uh, Mila Flores massacre as well. Oh, nice. It's like if they caught Ted Bundy on Mount Taylor, like mid-date night, you know? <laughs> like, candles are lit, lipstick is on the corpse, like... That's pretty much exactly it. They were like, oh, okay, yeah, no, y'all are coming down with us. Like, yeah, what do we do? You know, what's going on? I, I, I didn't do it. I, yeah, come on down. We found scene. you in a crime scene after leaving another crime scene. <laughs> after creating another crime scene. <laughs> Oh, these yeah, guys they're not they're not, uh, they're not murderers they just make ghosts okay yeah, these guys all. these guys are criminal geniuses i'm just gonna put that out there now they really they know branding very well oh yeah they every got the marketing them, every one of them's a john wayne gacy out there asking to be charged for running an unlicensed mortuary <laughs> oh my god what a fucking i i want to have that kind of confidence when i'm in court inevitably and I'm like, what, well, your honor? Your honor, I didn't say smoking crack was cool. I was referring to the temperature of the pipe. <laughs> oh, I still have that sound file, by the way. I'm keeping I'm that for posterity. Print out the waveform and get it framed. I'll keep yeah. it. What about what? <laughs> what, <laughs> what about the what about the one where Colin said he wanted to kill Glenn Danzig? <laughs> Okay, now we do I don't even this whole thing I out. don't even it's, remember. It's the part. Wow. There's that one episode where I'm talking, and then it's just, and you're like, I think we're going to have to cut that out. And then I had to go, if he was on fire in public, I wouldn't be sad about it. Oh, that's right. Yes. I do recall. I think I left that bit in. Yeah, you did. Which is because it's it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's still not as bad as, as, as what we did in number four, but I don't, in any case. You know what? Whose fault is that, though? Yours, primarily. Uh, I didn't edit it or write it, so. <laughs> Colin, if I edited everything out of number four that was suspect, we wouldn't have had an episode left. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> it took several years from the uh, Collingswood Manor Massacre, but the Purple Gang in Detroit was broken. Uh, the loose hierarchy of gang leadership was imprisoned, uh, largely either in Jackson County, Michigan, uh, Marquette in the UP, uh, or Leavenworth, uh, one of the other uh, supermax prisons in the United States at this time. Some of the most successful gangsters ended up leaving Detroit altogether. However, the legacy of the Purple Gang does live on. Uh, in particular, I would like to talk about a Detroit institution that was recently covered uh, in the documentary series on Netflix, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner with Dave Chang. Uh, one of my personal favorite artists uh, ends up going to the Schwitz Health Club, uh, and, and that would be Dave Cho as my favorite artist. But um, He ends up going to the Schwitz Health Club, which is apparently a long-time negotiating space for the Purple Gang. Uh, the Schwitz is a bathhouse and a steakhouse in Detroit that began as a Jewish community center. Hmm. Well, you can't wear a wire in a song. Exactly, so. yeah. You can't wear yeah. a wire in a song. Smart. Yeah, now it's, it sounded, did you have anything, any any fun tidbits about the, the Schwitz there, Jess, that you uh, you wanted to talk about? Or? I don't know a ton about the history of it yet. That's a, we've been waiting to actually go there, and that's been tough uh, oh, yeah. to cover it. Um, I just know it reopened a few, you know, like, I don't know, five years ago or whatever. And that was really exciting because I think they were trying to kind of bring back that piece of history of it, too. And I've heard the food is excellent. Mm -hmm. It's I mean, at the very least on the show, they, they show off these big ass tomahawk steaks that just look fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is it has this this long time history in Detroit of being a place that, you know, has this mystery associated mm -hmm. with it. And then in the 80s, it became a swingers club. I'm so nice. surprised. You mean That's a place shocker. with lots of tiles and drains became a swingers club? Only <laughs> after it became co-ed. <laughs> uh, just imagine Nobody getting that. Imagine yeah. getting getting a steak 
and then going into a sauna sounds like a nightmare. No, reverse. You I was going to say, yeah. Way around. You sweat well, it you off, get... then you put it back. Yeah. Oh, you get... I would think that you would want to get the meat sweats out, you know? Oh, no. Oh, the meat sweats in a sauna? Can you imagine the smell? Oh, my God. (laughs) Just all those old Jewish men and us. Who lit a tallow candle with a wick of human hair? This is awful. (laughs) It smells like somebody set a barbershop on fire. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean that's that really is all that I had to talk about as far as the Purple Gang goes. I don't know if you had any uh, any other information that you in particular wanted to share, Jess. But that's our quick, uh, quick and dirty rundown on the Purple Gang in Detroit. There's one thing I do want to share, just because I think it's kind of interesting. Is um, so it was like loosely organized, but there were the Bernstein brothers that mm. were kind of the four brothers at the core, starting it with other people too, but. Uh, and at least two of them in their later life got to retire out in California with money that they had saved along the way, which nice. is just kind of insane. But also I kind of am like, good for them. Yeah, cute. It's, I, I mean, you end up being a little jealous. You do. Mm-hmm. Look at those guys. I, I definitely get it. Um, and it, they, thank you for bringing that up because that is one thing that I did want to talk about is like, yeah, you know, the, the Purple Gang was destroyed and... You know, the gang as it was it no longer exists. But after the Purple Gang unaffiliated, like, the money didn't go anywhere. Unless you were actually charged with something. And in Jess's case, like she said, the Bernstein brothers, they were charged and they served their piece. And they got out and they retired in California with good amount of money. And all of this came from gang operation. A lot of these gangsters didn't leave Detroit. Are you going to talk about Jacobo Toko? I mean, I, I was going to bring them up a little bit. Um, like I said, the, the Four Bears Water Park. Oh. Uh, earlier oh, we yeah. were talking about it while your, while your computer was off. Uh, yeah, the Four Bears Water Park is a... It, it, just to give you a quick example of like how, how the organized crime still exists in Metro Detroit. I remember being a kid and going to Four Bears Water Park. I remember oh, yeah. being a kid and going to Four Bears Water Park with Tyler. Yep. Yeah, we went there a few times. Yep. <laughs> 2004, they shut down because they were a mob front for, I believe it was the Toko family. Well, there, it's, crazy. it's the Detroit Partnership, I think is what they call themselves. And it's like, it used to be the Zarelli family, but the Toko family was part of it as well. And so were like the Pizzarellis or Pizzarolos. Um, Palazzolos. There you go. Whatever that name. Uh, <laughs> but I'd always heard that Four Bears shut down because a kid died there, like drowned, and that like they did it for insurance. They're just like close it all up. But then I found out that it was owned by <laughs> mobsters. Yeah, and... it was. It was the IRS that shut the the Four Bears down. Yeah, it's a yeah. planned unit development now. They're building houses yep. on it. That's yeah, that's some, a little some a little... little condos. It's a little uh, less talked about thing in, in organized crime is mobsters love water parks. Absolutely <laughs> adore water parks. It's, hey, yo, hey, Fat Jimmy, you want to get on the Twister? Hey. Oh, hey, oh, Fat whoa. Fat Jimmy, okay. you want to get on the Twister? You want to go down the Lazy River? Hey, is what I'm saying. Hey. hey, it's time to clear the Lazy River. The boss wants to get in there. Yeah, boss wants to get in there. And he also hey, wants hey. you to go murder seven people. Hey, the boss I lost one of his gigantic him? chunky rings in the wave pool. We need to go search for it. <laughs> like, we went to high school with somebody who was related to, like, Jack about Toko, who was, like, the, yeah, last, yeah, we did. the last underboss yeah. wow. of, of that family. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know I the know specifics, but it's we don't we don't need to give away that much information. Oh, you don't <laughs> you don't you're worried about a made man coming to your house and putting two in your fucking face? Because I am. Uh, no, I just don't want to embarrass one of the guys we went to high school with. <laughs> it's cr- there's still like a lot of mob ties though, uh, in the Metro Detroit area. It's kind of insane. Like, mm-hmm. what's really weird to think about is like um like uh what's his name Hoffa the junior forget his first name but not senior obviously Jimmy Hoffa junior? yeah jimmy hoffa jr i think his name's still jimmy i think well anyway Hoffa's go son. By james or something like yeah that. maybe that's it james hoffa uh but like he's still 
around and kicking and you know yeah, living still, his still life and his i believe uh still in charge of uh the union as it were good for him something I, like I that mean, <laughs> for every for every mobster that was caught there's six that weren't mm-hmm What's six that just melted back into the woodwork? What's really interesting too, though, is like a lot of them are kind of uh, aging because I think like the the organization, the structure has changed. So mm-hmm. now you have all these people kind of on like their deathbed, like finally telling certain stories or giving certain pieces of information. So there's all these like new things coming out all the time where it's just like, is that real? Because I feel like I'm watching a movie. It, it, the the amount of, of drama and and the the sort of romance that was built into that life it really mm-hmm. does sound like a movie and and yeah there there's a we are seeing the the last of the great mobsters die mm-hmm. yeah. and revealing things yep. are we, yeah, are, we're, we're getting are all we ever secrets. gonna find Hoffa no I don't think so. no no because there's been like five or six people who are like this is the story and they're all completely different they're like no I was there I did it. The amount of times I've seen news stories where they're like, oh, they dug up somebody's, like, driveway Mm -hmm. because they think Hoffa's under there, and guess what? He's fucking not. Mm -hmm. It's The only thing I'm going to say about this is that Hoffa's body was disappeared within hours of his death. Oh, yeah. We're not going to find Jimmy Hoffa because his body doesn't exist anymore. No, No, for sure. No, that was... I'm I'm talking pig pens. I'm talking incinerators. I'm Mm -hmm. talking whatever. Oh, yeah. There's no way that any of it actually exists in a findable form. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I, Some people I think, think he was compacted years. into a car, though, in Japan. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite theories because I think it's the funniest one. I've heard that one. They, that they threw him in a car, exported it, and then junked it in Japan. Yeah, I've heard that one. What? I that's feel such like a roundabout way. No, this one is they incinerated him. They compacted it into a cube, sent it to Japan to be put into a car. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, oh okay. Which is just, you know, the irony of the situation. So that's that's pretty fucking incredible, actually. Mm-hmm. I, that one is like one of the least plausible ones, but it's my favorite because. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> and speaking of mob ties, uh, Tubby's at Riverland and Van Dyke. We're watching you. We're watching you. <laughs> like, I have never seen a single person there. And so, it has been there as long as I've been alive. Is that the one on Old Van Dyke? Right by yeah. Yeah. of Utica? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, like right, literally yeah, the one that, north. like, if you went straight through the Riverland intersection, you would hit the tubbies, yeah. I always thought that one was backed up by the mob, too. Because I, I went in there one time, and it took 45 minutes to get a sandwich. And I'm like... How is this possible? It's like, oh, you had to leave to go to a Tubby's to get me a sandwich because you don't have food back there. You just have dirty money from your mattress business. Worst in the industry, breaking the truth. One tubby sandwich One at a time. At a time. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it is uh it's about time for us to wind down the show. And uh, thank you all for coming and listening to us today as we talked about something that's not normally in our wheelhouse, but uh, has some connections to and allows us to bring on the, the wonderful co-host of Detroit Strange, Jess. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I, I always love guesting and being a part of you know something different. It's great. Uh, oh, yeah. I chose one of my favorite subjects. Um, <laughs> can I plug something? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, plug whatever you okay. want. Uh, well, uh listen to detroit strange we'd love to to have you and um you know we'll have to do some more crossovers with you all because this was a lot of fun oh yeah uh and also i I see a few more in our future yes yeah we're Um, thinking about doing a little series on the music industry so we're thinking about doing a motown episode yes yeah but we'll we'll get back to you then that you were saying jess oh uh and i also want to mention uh in june the first weekend of june is going to be the detroit women of comedy festival and it's going to be an online virtual show this year. And right now we are accepting submissions up through May 4th for that. So looking for all kinds of acts and it should be a good time. And it's going to be a variety show. So there'll be hopefully some podcasts and some sketch comedy, stand-up comedy, all the comedies. And yeah. Well, that is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Please turn tune into the Detroit Women of Comedy Festival. We've got some amazing uh, female comedians in the Detroit area. Uh, you know, at, check it out, please. Uh, Tyler, Colin, we got anything else to plug, or are we just gonna gonna hit our socials and 
Uh, we can hit up Jess. Do you have any socials uh, you want to plug? Oh, sure. Um, at Detroit Strange <laughs> at <laughs> Gmail. Also at Detroit Strange on Insta, Facebook. Um, I'm at Schmess Jess if anybody wants to find me. Yeah. Schmess Jess. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, our socials are uh, our Instagram is worst in the industry. Our Twitter is at witty pod. And if you want to send us an email, uh, that is worst in the industry at gmail.com. Um, uh, I please will... do send us emails. Yeah, oh, sorry, and I... Tyler, please saying. keep it Christian. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we solicited our friend as a phone sex operator <laughs> to send in emails to that email, and now you're saying keep it Christian? Keep it Christian, everybody. Like the my, sailed. my 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 pu- my puritanical eyes cannot read, uh, you know, dirty emails. So. I have, I have questions about what you guys are talking about. You were about on the podcast. You were I'm here. There. I have re- recorded evidence. I was probably high. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Jess, uh, yeah, for coming can, on. It was a blast. Me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I hope yes. I kept it Christian for you. Yes. I, uh, Christian you enough. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Inst- or on Instagram at, at JTSPComedy uh, and on Twitter at, at that Wednesday. Tyler? Uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm... Uh, Tyler Witty Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Figure it out. Uh, it's not that hard. Once you're, <laughs> once you find the other ones. Uh, also, please, 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 uh, we want to do uh, a listener episode where we talk about your workplace experiences. We'll keep it completely anonymous uh, if you want us to. And uh, we just we want to show people that your experience is not. Um, it's unique because it's yours, but it is universal in that being alive in capitalism fucking sucks so send us your workplace experiences we won't uh dox you or out you uh but we want to just have an episode where we talk about how shitty uh having to work is so <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> absolutely do we have any idea what we're doing next week tyler is it your mandate uh yeah i was thinking about maybe doing uh maybe doing the east india company oh mm. now that that's going to be an interesting one we may have to do a couple episodes on that. Yeah, that, but, that might uh, be a two-parter. Might be a two-parter. Yeah, might be. Might happens. be. And uh, I'm working on getting some sources for uh, a big. We, I, Tyler and I talked about this. We want to do a bigger series because we've been doing some of these one-offs lately. Um, and hopefully, I can get these books in in time, and then I'll crush them uh, with the the help of some some you know. Anyway, uh, we're going <laughs> to get these books done, and then once they are, we're gonna break out a series. And the hint is that the first book I need to get my hands on is Family of Secrets. And once I get my hands on Family of Secrets, uh, I won't be able to be reached by telephone for weeks, weeks at a time. Oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, thank you all once again for tuning in and listening to a very, very special episode of the Worst in the Industry podcast featuring Jess Cooper from Detroit Strange. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye, love you. Bye, thank you.